Good morning. As Pastor Daniel was telling you earlier today, we're going to be <clears throat> continuing on in uh, the series that he started last week called In His Presence. And over the next several weeks, we're going to be lying out uh, a theology of the presence of God. And so if you have your Bible, grab it. We're going to open it up to Genesis 12, and we'll be uh, spending most of our time between Genesis 12 and Genesis chapter 17 today. <clears throat> I've been on staff here at Mid-Cities as a pastor for almost 10 years now, and I can remember very vividly the day that I got a call from Daniel, uh, and he said, hey, we are looking at hiring a kid's pastor. And he said, your name came to mind. And, you know, I remember that very vividly standing in my in-law's front yard because I had just started to get comfortable, right? I had been married for about two years. Uh, Allie and I had moved to Midland. We were starting to feel comfortable as a married couple, starting to figure each other out a little bit. Even in my job, I was starting to figure out what I should be doing. I was content. I was comfortable. And then here comes Daniel calling me. And you know, I remember thinking that day when he was on the other side of the call, I had that choice. When I looked down and I saw a number that I didn't recognize, and I remember thinking, okay, I can either pick this call up or I can send it to voicemail. And that's a, that's a choice that a lot of us have most days. You kind of risk, is it going to be a telemarketer or could it be somebody I actually need to answer, right? Sometimes our students need to know what I'm talking about. It's like, Mom, seriously, are you calling me again? But something in me that day told me to pick up the phone. And so I did. I picked it up and I heard, hey, Andrew, this is Daniel Stevens. And he goes on to tell me that, that Mid-Cities is in the process of hiring a kid's pastor. And so he said, my name came to mind. And I think that <clears throat> if I were to tell you that Daniel would have been standing in front of me that day, and he told me that he thought of me, I think I would have kind of looked around, you know, like he's talking to somebody else. Because never in my mind would I have thought I would be a pastor. I would have thought, no way, uh-uh, I'm not interested. And that's not even to mention how Allie's face was when I told her about the thought of being a pastor's wife. I'm talking white-faced, I mean ghostly, like, no thank you, I'm out of here, right? But we told Daniel, and I told him that day, I said, okay, we will, we will commit to praying about this. It was the middle of June. It was hot in Midland, Odessa. And we did. We, we committed to praying about it. But I think even in the back of my mind, even during that month, I was thinking, no, I, I don't think this is for me. And yet... God, in his amazing love and in his sovereignty, he, he began to work on our hearts. And, and we began to think about it and pray about it. And here's what we quickly discovered. That that's where God was going to be present in our lives. And that was where we needed to go. And so if we wanted to see his blessings in our life, we better hop on. Because that's where he's going. And many of you have had a similar experience in your life. You've had a major life decision ahead of you, and you had to figure out, is this where God's going? And so you prayed through it, and, and, and you've decided, okay, this is where he's telling us to go. This is where he's going to be present. This is where he's going to bless us. And so that's where you went. There's others of us in here who look back on certain instances, and we see it as an opportunity missed. Right? We knew that God was telling us to go, and maybe because of fear or laziness, or maybe we were just too comfortable, and so we said, no, I'm good, God, I'm going to stay here. And we know that we missed an opportunity. 
And maybe we've grown through it. And so that brings us to our main idea, our big idea for today, that God's presence desires to bless. Let me say it again. If you're taking notes, write it down. God's presence desires to bless. Last week, as Daniel was starting the series, he he told us that really in Scripture we see three different instances uh, where God's God is present. And typically what he does during those times is he's either present to judge, he's present to sustain, or finally what we see most often in Scripture or in in any other biblical pattern is that God desires to bless uh, his people through his presence. And this can be seen almost immediately in the life of Abraham. And so pull up your Bible. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 12. And I'm using the name Abram uh, and Abraham. We're going to kind of use those interchangeably today, and you'll see why later in the Scripture. So starting in verse 1 of chapter 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. In this passage, we see the word bless five different times. It's not hard to see a trend coming. And I think there's a few different reasons that this is significant. First, if we look back at Genesis 3 through Genesis 11, we see God is present to judge an awful lot through the stories of Adam and Eve and through Cain and Abel and through Noah and the flood and then finally uh, through the Tower of Babel. But here, God chooses a man to bless. And last week, we saw, we saw a graphic that gives us kind of a 30,000-foot view of God's plan of redemption. And it started out with Adam and Eve, and then he moves on to Abraham. And this is not just a promise for Abram. It's really a turning point. It's really ultimately how God is going to lead us back to right relationship with him in the new heaven and the new earth. But finally, I think it's extremely significant because it sets the agenda for not only Abram's life, but also for our life. Look at the end of verse three. And he says, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. I love how Paul says it in Galatians 3, 7. He says, know then that it is those of faith who are sons of Abraham. Verse nine, so then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Church, if we are a people of faith, we're included in the blessings of God. This is good news. So what does Abram do? Verse four, so Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. And when they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oaks of Morah. And at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Now listen here. This is where God's presence shows up. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give you this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. This brings us to our first point for today. God is present to bless where there is obedience. 
I love that Abram leaves immediately and he follows God's command. He is unquestioning. He's immediately obedient. How many of us as parents in here would love that from our kids? Right? We would just love them to do what we ask them to do. My little two-year-old has an amazing way when I ask her to do something. She says, no, no, daddy, not yet. And I sit there and I go, am I in charge or are you in charge, right? But Abram, Abram knows exactly what he's supposed to do. He listens to the Lord. Would it have been easier for him to just keep his 318 trained men where he was? Absolutely. I'm sure it would have been. Would it have been easier and more comfortable for him to leave all the sheep and cattle and oxen that he owned? Absolutely. I'm sure it would have been easier. It would have been more comfortable. But he didn't question the Lord. He simply went. So what does this look like for us today? How many of us know, beyond a shadow of a doubt right now, that God is calling us to do something bigger and greater and new but we're just too comfortable where we are. How many of us, God could, could do something great, but because of our past, or maybe because of our financial situation or our family situation, we're just not sure and we get fearful, and so we never step out in obedience. Abram wasn't perfect, but he was obedient, and God blessed him because of it. I think God's sovereignty is compatible with human responsibility. And this should be significant for us today, church. It should be significant because none of us in here are perfect. None of us have it figured out. But here's the deal. God's presence is working in our mess. He's working in the mess. I like the way James tells us in chapter two, he's speaking about Abraham here, and he says, you see that faith was active along with his works, and by faith was completed by his works. And scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see, some of us in here have taken a big step of obedience. And all of a sudden, we get where God calls us to, and then we kind of forget what he, what he was doing in the first place, and we find ourselves in a worse place than we ever started. And so I just question, what causes us to not move forward in obedience? What is it? Is it comfort? Sometimes is it laziness? And sometimes I think we're just fearful. How'd this play out in Abram's life? Oh, man. Well, he lied about his wife and called her, his, called her his sister two different times. Man, you want to talk about an awkward married fight right there. Uh, sorry, I kind of uh, told the king that uh, you were my <coughs> sister. Whew, man, that would have been an awkward situation. But I think it reminds Abram of his rightful place before God. And those sinful actions brought him to the place where he knew what he needed to do before God. And so in Genesis 15, flip over there. Genesis 15, we see God's presence show up again. And God gently reminds Abram of the promise that he has to bless him. But here's what he does. He tells him to do some strange things. And even as I read through these things, I go, these, are, these seem a little bit strange. He, but Abram builds, uh, he builds a place to honor God. He follows instructions to a T. Here's what God tells him to do. Get a three-year-old cow, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old male goat, 
a turtle dove and a young pigeon and sacrifice them. In verse 7, verse 17, when the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. And on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, to your offspring I will give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. Abram is obedient, and God's presence shows up in fire. And we see this. This is a trend many times we see in Scripture uh, where God shows up with fire, whether it was Moses in the burning bush, whether it was at Pentecost, or whether, uh, whether it was at the Israelites in the desert. And there's a theme to Abram's life. And he believed the Lord, and it was counted to him as righteousness. So I would just ask you today, as you are spending time in God's presence, are you becoming more obedient to him? If you're a man in here and you're spending time in God's presence, are you becoming less prideful and more humble? For our ladies in here, uh, as you spend time in God's presence, are you becoming less about yourself and more about others? Or maybe for some of our students in here, as you're spending time in God's presence, are you letting him shape where you will go and what you will do when you're done with school? Where you go and what you will do. See, when God goes with you, there's obedience. There's obedience that's involved. And I think we need to be willing to step out. Our second point for today is that God is present to bless through relationship. It's been 13 long years of silence until we get to Genesis 17 and God shows up and he speaks very plainly to Abram, starting in verse 1, chapter 17. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have uh, made you the father of a multitude of nations. If you have your Bible, I want you to grab a pen, and I want you to underline the end of verse 1, where he says, I am God Almighty, walk before me, and be blameless. I want to camp out there and spend a few minutes on this idea. He's speaking, he says, I'm God Almighty. He is El Shaddai, which means God's power will be seen. And then he gives Abraham two instructions. He says, walk before me and be blameless. And we see this idea numerous times throughout the Old Testament uh, of walking before God. And, and I think walking before God is it's an ongoing action. It's persistence. It's consistency. Uh, we, see it, uh, we see this same Hebrew verb with Enoch in Genesis 5.22, with Noah in Genesis 6.9, with Isaac in Genesis 24.40, and with Jacob in Genesis 48.15. These men had intimacy with the Lord. They knew him. They had a relationship, and they constantly walked with him. And some of us in here, we're so up and down on our relationship with God. One day, we love God. Thank you for what you're doing. You're so amazing. And the next day, it's, oh, God, where are you? Woe is me. There's consistency, church, in walking with God. 
You know, a few weeks ago, Allie and I had the chance to go up to New Mexico, and we got to spend some time with my family, and we got to spend some time with uh, her family. We ate some great Mexican food up there, played in the snow, did some shopping. It was a lot of fun. Uh, and, and many of you who are married in here, you, you know how this goes. You see, we, we get out of our routine, and after maybe a day or two, you find yourself, you, you're making these, these snippy little barbs at each other. Right? And at first it's just kind of fun and it's, it's, it's a, maybe a little bit sarcastic. But about four days into our trip, Allie, as we're going to sleep, Allie looks over at me and she, she says, I feel like I don't know you. Now, as a, as a married man, I, I know, I'm like, I'm like, what, how do you respond here? What, what you know, we're, we're like, this is loaded. And so, so after 10 years, I've learned what I don't know you means. When I was first married, what I would try to have done, I would have tried to go into typical guy mode. Let me fix this. I got, I got this, right? I would explain to her, no, no, we spent lots of time together over the past few days, more time than we normally spend together. And, but no, no, at, at 10 years, I understand what I don't know you means. It means while we've spent lots of time together, we hadn't spent any quality time. While we may have been in the same room or at the same restaurant or at the same store for lots of hours that day, we just hadn't connected. We didn't have, it, we didn't have any intimacy. And so many of you know, who are married know this feeling. You know that you can be physically present in a room and feel almost no connection, right? You know that you can be in the same room or at the same place and feel completely apart. And some of us know how this feels with God also. We, we feel like we've been spending time with him and yet he's not near. We feel like he's been distant. He's been far away from us. We can be around God and not with God. And yet there's other times where maybe we're in worship and we feel like God is so near, right? There's, there's times where we're reading the Bible and we feel like, man, uh, that verse is it's speaking directly to me right now. These men in the Old Testament, specifically Abraham, they had a relationship with God and it was personal. And each of us is called to have a personal relationship with God. John the Baptist in Matthew 3, he's speaking and he sees these people coming up to be baptized and he calls them to have personal repentance. In other words, walking with God happens on an individual basis. It's not something that's passed down generationally. God's relationship with Abram is so personal that he actually renames him. Abram means father is exalted, while Abraham means father of a multitude. But we also see that when God is present, that he tells Abraham to be perfect. He tells him to be blameless. It's the same Hebrew verb that, uh, that they use when they're speaking about sacrificing animals without blemish. They're to be, he's to be blameless. He's to have integrity. He's to be an upright man who walks with God and because of that is blessed by his presence. So I think the question for us today then is, do we have a relationship with God? And if we don't, I have good news for you. Because God is also present to bless through forgiveness and salvation. See, Abraham was the first patriarch. He was, he was known oftentimes as the prime example of our faith. But in spite of Abraham's great faith, in spite 
of this covenant that he had with God, he was just as flawed as you or me. I don't need to remind you that today is January 17th. Just a few short weeks ago, many of us started out the year and we had the best of intentions, right? We were gonna work out every day. How's that plan going for you, huh? We were gonna eat so much better in 2016, but then we remember Taco Tuesday. Gets me every time, right? We were gonna piddle on our phones last this year and we were gonna read so much more. We were gonna save so much money this year and yet oil is still at $30 a barrel. You see church, the reality is that despite our very best efforts, we are a broken and inconsistent people. And I think Abraham knew his place before God. He understood that God was on the throne and that Abraham was not. We see that in Genesis 12 and in Genesis 13 that whenever he travels, he always sets up a place to worship God. In Genesis 17, we just read it a minute ago, we see he falls on his face when God is present. He is unworthy of God's presence. And we too, in our sinful human state, are unworthy of God's presence. Abraham couldn't do it, but Jesus did. While Abraham was not blameless or perfect, Jesus was. And God sent his presence in the form of a baby. And we just celebrated this a few weeks ago at Christmas, right? Jesus is our Emmanuel. He is God with us. But God didn't just send Jesus to die, or to live. He sent him to die. To die for my sins and your sins. And this is the gospel. And the gospel is the good news that God became man in Jesus Christ. And that he lived the life that I should have lived. And he died the death that I should have died in my place. And then three days later, he rose from the grave, proving that he was God. And he was offering the gift of salvation and the forgiveness of sins to all who would repent and believe in him. And I think, ultimately, this is where the rubber meets the road for us in our faith. Do we really believe that God could bless us? And are we willing to go and be obedient when he does? I think so many of us in here, we have a hard time grasping that God would really want to bless us. We've, we've grown up in a broken world. We've been involved with relationships that have hurt us deeply. And so we're not sure we can believe it. We're not sure if we can take God at his word. But I'm here to tell you today, church, that this is what God does. He, he blesses his people. It's what he wants to do in your life. But are you willing to step in, out in obedience? Are you willing to go where he's going to be present? For some of us in here, that may mean stepping out and tithing even in a downturn because that's where God's going to be present. For others of us in here, that may mean leading a group or, or opening your life up to being in a group because that's where God is going to be present. Some of you in here today, you know my story and Allie's story of infertility, you know that we've been praying really for years. We've been asking the Lord to bring us another baby. 
And, you know, some of you in here, some of our married couples in here, I mean, you just look at each other the right way and you guys get pregnant. <laughs> I mean, that just, that just hasn't been the case for us. And so we pray and we ask the Lord nightly, will you do this for us, God? Will you do this for us? And, and is it frustrating at times? Absolutely. Do we find ourselves with tears sometimes? Absolutely. But you know what? We're going to do as Abraham did and believe God and trust him that he has a desire to bless us. Abraham waited 25 long years. Do we get that? 25 years for God to bring him his promised son. I think through every journey, through every trial, through every year that passed, Abraham trusted God. And so today, I know that in this room, there are some of us that are believing God to do, do something really big, something really amazing in our life in 2016, and we're asking him for that blessing, but here's the, here's the caveat, I think. I think God says, all right, let's do this. Now be obedient. And you know, you know what he's calling you to do. You know he's calling you to step out, to not be lazy, to not be comfortable, to not be fearful. And so I just want to take a minute today and pray for you. So if that's you today, and you know God's telling you to step out, I just want you to slip up your hand. And I want to pray for you and ask God that he would help you to be obedient to see the blessings of God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for these people who have come into your house and, Lord, uh, want to grow in obedience. They want to see your blessing. And, Lord, we know that that is your desire. That's what you want to do when you are present with us. And so we thank you for today. We thank you that, um, that these people are saying, yes, Lord, help me. Help me to be obedient. Help, help me to step out. And so we ask for your help. And we thank you, Lord, that we know, according to your word, you will do that. And so I pray for them today. I ask for your help. In Jesus' name, amen.